Our gospel comes to us from the 14th chapter of Luke today. Now large crowds were traveling with him, and he turned and said to them, Whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even life itself, cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not first sit down and estimate the cost to see whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it will begin to ridicule him, saying, This fellow began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going out to wage war against another king will not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to oppose the one who comes against him with 20,000? If he cannot, then while the other is still far away, he sends a delegation and asks for the terms of peace. So therefore, none of you can be, become my disciple if you do not give up all your possessions. This is the gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. I invite you to pray with me this morning. Holy God, you have a word for us today, a word of comfort and a word of challenge, a word of hope and a word of guidance for our lives. Make our hearts soft and plant this word in us that it may bear fruit through our lives. Amen. Well, school has started, right? For most of you, many of you, if not all of you, it's that time of year. And fall is this time of year where things restart again, whether that's school or ministries at church or other activities in our lives. It's, a, it's after this season of summer of recreation or recreation of our spirit. Fall is this time that comes. It's, it's a time of recommitting, of making plans for the year ahead, of prioritizing. Now, I remember fall way back when I was a seventh grader because I had big plans that fall year too. I was going to become a football player. Now, the thing is, I'm kind of a big guy now, but seventh grade Josh was a very different size back then. But I joined the team anyway because everyone was doing it. It looked like fun. Everybody was a part of it. We were excited. I was looking forward to all that fame and glory that I would get throwing touchdown passes or catching touchdown passes. Um, I was fully committed to being this football player. But once we actually got into it, it didn't go as I had imagined. First of all, I never touched a football. I was on the line, not because I was big, but because I was slow. Um, and the thing is, no one had ever actually told me that the primary thing about being on a football team is that you, you take your body and you smash it into someone else's body really, really hard over and over again in ways that are usually painful. I didn't know this. And so as a lineman, I got this little dance down because I didn't like that part. So when I would see someone running at me, I would do this little shuffle dance move and get out of the way, and they would run right by, and I would say, ha-ha, you missed me. Uh, apparently that's not how you're supposed to play, though. But no one ever told me what it would actually take, what it would actually cost to be a part of this sport, this group. So they said, come, it'll be fun. Come have a good time. Come get to know new people. When what they should have said maybe was, unless you're willing to give and take physical hits over and over again, you can't really be a football player. Or unless you're willing to give up being comfortable, 
you can't really be a football player. Uh, if anyone is not willing to run and then run some more for conditioning and run until you can't run and then have the coach say, okay, now do all that again, unless you're willing to do that, you can't really be a football player. Now, I could be on the team, sure, I could be a part of that, but unless I was willing to do X, Y, and Z, you couldn't really become a football player. Jesus' words in today's gospel really are clear about the expectations. If you truly want to be my disciple and follow me, there will be challenges. It's not going to be easy. There are going to be some things that are hard. It might cost you something. And he does this today with some kind of difficult sayings, doesn't he? It's almost as if he's trying to scare people away. I mean, if this were the only invitation I heard from Jesus, I would probably be like, yeah, Jesus, I think I'll pass on that one. Thanks, but no thanks. These are not some of the most inviting sayings he's ever said. This is not the passage we're going to put out on our sign on 141 to make people want to come in and be a part of things, right? What's, so, what's interesting to me is how different Jesus' words today sound than some of the other places in the Gospels. I mean, as I read it this week, I thought of Matthew chapter 11 where Jesus says this, "'Come to me, all you who are weary, and I will give you rest. My yoke is easy and my burden is light.'" Why is he so gentle here in places like that, but then in the reading today, he's so, well, challenging, right? I think one of the answers we always have to remember is it's about context. Who was he talking to and why was he talking with them? What was happening there? So if we look a little closer, we see some things. First, there were huge crowds traveling with him, it said. So there were all these people flocking to Jesus because of the spectacle, because of the excitement. They were hoping to see one of these miracles. There was all this buzz in the air. But Jesus wasn't looking for fans. He was looking for followers. And when you start to take into account also the types of parables that he tells here and how they're a little different than what he usually does. Usually, Jesus seems to tell parables that are more agricultural or kind of uh, seem to be things peasants or the lower class would understand. But who does he talk about in these parables here? The builder of some great tower and a king, which is interesting and that kind of tells us, he's, he's talking about people that are wealthy or powerful or elite, which tells us that likely some of those folks were in the audience that day. And if you were here last week and heard Pastor Amy's sermon, you might remember about the significance of social connections and social status in this ancient world. So I think it's likely that some of those big deals of the day were there hoping to rub shoulders with Jesus so that if he really becomes something important, they could cash in on that social capital later and say, yeah, I know Jesus. He and I, we're tight. As if Jesus was one big deal person in their social circle among other big deal people in their social circle. Well, keeping this in mind, it kind of starts to make sense about why maybe Jesus might have needed to be extra clear about his expectations and about what discipleship really is, which leads to the second thing he's talking about, commitments. Discipleship, true discipleship, is something totally different than networking for personal gain. It's about your priorities and your primary allegiance. Following Jesus is not just one good priority among other priorities. It's following Jesus is the priority above all else. If you really want to become my disciple and follow me, this mission, the gospel, has to be number one. 
And that means sometimes being willing to let go of some things so you can take hold of what God has for you. See, Jesus doesn't want part of your heart part of the time. Jesus wants all of your heart all of the time because he loves you that much and he's given all of himself for you. I mean, think about it like this. I, uh, how many of us have been to a uh, wedding and heard wedding vows or seen wedding vows spoken? A lot of us, maybe if not in person on TV, some of us have even uh, spoken these ourselves, right? Now, they usually express what? Like, like a whole, uh, deep, uh, all-inclusive commitment, forsaking all else, right? Now, think about if you went to a wedding and the vows started to be spoken and they sounded more like this, though. I take you to be my spouse, to have and to hold in health, but maybe not in sickness, or as long as there is joy, but none of that sorrow business, to love and to cherish as long as someone better doesn't come along. (laughs) That wouldn't fly, right? I give you this ring as a sign of my love, at least for now. Like, no, that's not how it works. But if we're honest, do we sometimes treat our relationship with God a little bit like this? If I have time, if I remember. When Jesus looks at you and says, follow me, he says, I want all of you, all of your heart, all of your soul, because I'm going to give you all of my attention, all that I am. And John's gospel, he even says, all that the Father has given me is yours. Now, that's not to say that people can't be Christians without this all-in discipleship. You can still believe in the gospel. You can still learn from Jesus' teachings. We can even be saved because that's by the grace of God alone, right? But to truly be Jesus' disciple and to experience the fullness of life and meaning and purpose that God has for us, we have to sometimes be willing to let go of some things so that we can take hold of that which God has for us. And so when we dig in and break down this gospel reading today, I think what we see is that Jesus is showing us three distinct things that he knows are going to trip us up sometimes. Three things that are going to get in the way of our letting go so that we can grab on to experience the fullness of all God has for our lives. So one of those things he talks about is possessions, right? Now Jesus' exact words here are this, none of you can become my disciple if you do not give up all of your possessions. Now, does Jesus mean this literally? (laughs) As Lutherans, it's important to remember that that we don't need to take every passage of Scripture literally. In fact, if we did, there would be so many contradictions, our heads would explode, but we do take every passage seriously. So we have to wrestle with this. Does Jesus demand that every one of us here today throw away all of our possessions or, or give everything we have away so that we become poor and destitute? I really hope not, (laughs) right? But what is he saying? Are we willing to let go of these things? Are we willing to trust God for our daily bread? Are we willing to be generous and to share what we have been given when we see a need around us? Are Are we letting God control these gifts and resources in our lives or are we letting them control us? That's the first thing Jesus knows might trip us up sometimes. The second thing, he talks about the carrying your cross. Uh, I think another way to think about this is comfort or safety. See, Jesus needed to, them to know that following him, being a disciple, could be dangerous, especially for his disciples in the early church. There was a very real and present physical threat to their lives sometimes, right? And, and that still can be true in some parts of the world today, but 
most of us likely won't experience that in our lifetime because we are blessed. We live in this nation and culture and time where we're allowed, everyone's allowed to worship freely. But there's still the question here for us. Are you willing to step, go outside your comfort zone? Are we willing to, to step out into the unknown for the sake of the gospel, even if it's uncomfortable, even if it's inconvenient? And then finally, this thing Jesus lifts up about relationships. This passage that said, whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even life itself, cannot be my disciple. Wowzer. <laughs> what do we do with this one? How does Jesus mean us to hear this? We can't just kind of ignore it, but I think there are some things, if we look closer, that help us get a little different sense of what I think he's trying to say here. First, we have to remember that part of the ancient Jewish teaching practice was hyperbole or this exaggeration to shock and make a point. I think Jesus was successful with this saying, wasn't he? <laughs> Got our attention. So rather than kind of sugarcoating what he's trying to say here, he goes the opposite direction and uses this extreme language as this common way of teaching or engaging people in the conversation. Now the second thing that's really helpful, the English word here that we heard today is hate, and that's a bit deceiving because when I think of hate, I think of anger or malice or extreme dislike, right? But the Greek word here is actually meseo, and that's a little bit different. This Greek word meseo is most often defined as this, to be disinclined to or to disfavor or to disregard in contrast to preferential treatment, in contrast to preferential treatment. So that makes me wonder, is Jesus saying, I want you to sever all ties with your family, to get rid of them, to disassociate with them, or, or is he saying, when you become my disciple, you need to know that you're becoming a part of my family. And friends, who else is a part of God's family? Everyone, right? Everyone. It's, it's like Jesus is saying, every single human being, if you want to be my disciple, I need you to understand that I see every human being as a part of my family. I don't see a stranger. I don't see an other. I don't see enemies. I only see a beloved child, son, a daughter, a mother, father, siblings, everyone. Are you willing to let go of your preferential relationships that put some people above others and instead open your heart wide enough to love everyone with that same love as a part of our family, God's family? See, Jesus doesn't destroy families. Jesus creates families where once there was not family. And we see that over and over in the Gospels. In Luke 19, the story of Zacchaeus, a despised tax collector who's hiding apart in a tree when Jesus comes to town, Jesus invites him down and says, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to stay with you tonight. In John 4, there's a Samaritan woman alone by herself at the well because she's an outcast in her village, and Jesus sits down and spends time with her, affirms her faith, and welcomes her into God's family. There, were, there was in Mark chapter 10, a blind man, Bartimaeus, sitting by the road begging, everyone ignoring him like he was invisible, but Jesus calls him forward, heals him, and then he follows 
part of the family. Lepers were healed and restored to community. Those possessed by demons were freed and given this new lease on this life-giving relationships they could experience in life. When Jesus himself was teaching one day, if you remember the story, and some people came and said, Jesus, your mother and your brothers, they're looking for you. And Jesus looks at all those listening to God's word and says, here is my mother and my brothers. Here is my family. Not because he no longer loved or cared for his birth family, but because he had expanded his definition of family to include everyone who longs to hear the word of God. So friends, if your family has maybe hurt you, if you have a family that's dysfunctional or disconnected, know that you have a family here in Christ. If you sometimes find yourself feeling alone, if you don't really have a family in whatever that might sense might mean, or at least anyone that's uh, close by or near you, know that you have a family here, that you are loved and you are an essential part of God's family. So this week, as we go out into the fall, making plans and priorities for the year ahead, I want to encourage you to think about what, what God might be asking us to let go of that might be getting in our way so that you could take hold of the life, the purpose that God has for you. And as we look around this week, out in the community, see family. No strangers, no enemies, no others, only beloved human beings, all of whom Jesus sees as family. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we are amazed that that you would welcome us with all of our shortcomings, all of our failings, all of our mistakes. You welcome us as a part of your family. And we thank you for giving us this grace and love. Lord, help us to see one another through your eyes, not just those in our church, but those in our lives and the community around us. Help us to open our arms and our hearts wide enough to see what you see, to hear what you hear, and to love as you have loved us. Lord, for those who are alone, who are feeling like they don't have anyone, don't have family, Lord, help us to reach out. Help us to find them. Help us to ensure that everyone feels connected, known, loved, and valued. In Jesus' name, we pray these things. Amen.